So, Hare Krishna everyone. Nice to see you all again. I feel a little bit like in in a dream because it's almost become unimaginable for me to see devotees. We've been living in some sort of enclosures like seeing others only through computer screens and to actually see real devotees. It's like, are you for real? <laughs> oh, very nice. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, and it's so nice to see Radhadesh is thriving. Very encouraging. Om Timarandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshuram Miratam Tasmai Shri Chaitanya Mano Vishnam Sapita Yena Bhutale Swayam Radhakyam Dadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yukta Paratamanam Shri Guru Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatam Vitantam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sabalutam Paridana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitamscha Nama O Vishnu Padaya Krishna Krishna Bhutai Shrimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinamini Namaste Sarasate Deve Godavani Prachayane Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyadeshatayane Manchakalpataru Yasha Kripasuya Evasha Patitam Bhavadeyo Vaishnavayo Namo Hey Krishna, Karuna Sindhu, Dinabando Jagatpate, Gopesha Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta Namostate, Tapta Tanshana Gorangi, Radhe Vrindavaneshwari, Vrishavanu Sute Devi, Pranamami Haripi, Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Bravo Nityananda, Chiyameta Grahar, Shiva Sari Gauravaktavi. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This morning we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam. Canto 10, Chapter 28, Text Number 7, Krishna Rescues Nanda Maharaj. Um, are we all, all, all okay with English language, more or less? Any translation services? It's okay. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om 
namo bhagavate vasudevaya namo bhagavate vasudevaya narayanam namaskritya naram chaganarottama devin sarasvatin yasa tato jayamudhiraye Nashta Preshvavadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhakti Bhavati Naishtiki So verse number seven, we can chant together. Ajanata mamakena Ajanata mamakena Mudhena karya vedina Mudhena karya vedina Anito yam tavapita Anito yam tavapita Anito yam tavapita Tat bhavan chantum arhati Tat bhavan chantum arhati Ajanata mamakena Mudhena karya vedina Anito yam tavapita Satpavan kshantumarhati Okay, what does this mean? Ajanata By one who was ignorant Mamakena by my servants. Mudhena foolish. Akarya Vedina not knowing his proper duty. Anita was brought. I am this person. Tava, your Pita, Father, Tat, that Bhavan, your good self, Shantamarhati, should please forgive. Translation and purport by the followers of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. Translation, your father. Um, <clears throat> who is sitting here <laughs> was brought to me by a foolish, ignorant servant of mine who did not understand his proper duty. Therefore, please forgive us. Uh, this is spoken by uh, by the Devata 
Varuna uh, to Lord Krishna. He's saying, please forgive me. Please forgive us. Uh, please forgive my servant. Please forgive me. Purport. The word I am, this one here, clearly indicates that Krishna's father, Nanda Maharaj, was present as Varuna was speaking. In fact, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur states that Varuna had seated Sri Nanda on a jeweled throne and had personally worshipped him out of respect. Technically, Nanda Maharaj was correct in entering the water just before sunrise. The following explanation is given by Srila Jiva Goswami in his commentary on the first verse of this chapter. After an especially short ekadashi, measuring only 18 hours, about six hours of the lunar day in which the fast had to be broken, namely the duadashi, had already expired before the dawn. Since at sunrise the proper time for breaking the fast would have passed, Nanda Maharaj decided to enter the water at an other, otherwise inauspicious time. Hmm. Of course, Varana's servant should have been aware of these technical details. <laughs> which are meant for strict followers of the Vedic rituals. Above and beyond that, Nanda Maharaj was acting as the Supreme Lord's father and was therefore a most sacred person beyond the touch of insignificant cosmic bureaucrats like the foolish servant of Varuna. So it seems there are cosmic bureaucrats, and some of them can be foolish. Yeah, sometimes we might feel that way when we see weather conditions do something strange. Mm. Cosmic bureaucrats are at work. Ajanata mamakena mudhena karyavedina Anito yam tavapita tatbhavan shantum arhati, your father, who is sitting here, was brought to me by a foolish, ignorant servant of mine who did not understand his proper duty. Therefore, please forgive us. It's a, it's a please forgive us verse. Uh, we get this in... Some of uh, Lord Krishna's pastimes, Lord Brahma, um, has several please forgive me verses. Hmm. Chapter 14 of 10th Canto is an entire chapter of please forgive me verses. Beautiful verses, uh, very deep. Uh, but here Varuna is, and of course Lord Indra also, please forgive me. Forgive me, they were both making some trouble for Krishna. We all know uh, how they were doing so. 
The question arises regarding Indra and Lord Brahma. Perhaps you know the answer. Little quiz question. Uh, which of the two made the greater offense to Lord Krishna? You know, Ekin Chakragram? Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma. And why? Because he separated he attempted to separate the devotees from Krishna, yes. That's a serious problem. Uh, and so when, um, after he realizes his mistake and offers prayers, begging forgiveness, what does Krishna do? He remains silent. He remains silent, yes. Ooh, that was painful. <laughs> In this case, uh, Varuna is asking forgiveness uh, to Lord Krishna for himself as well as his servant. Um, half the verse is saying that it was my servant, it was his mistake, and so one might um, imagine Varuna saying, well, that was my servant, it wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. Um, however, uh, there is a, an injunction, one of the commentators mentioned, that um, the mm, offense of a servant is also an offense of the master, which uh, suggests why the master, anyone in a position of authority or responsibility, is concerned about uh, the behavior of those uh, whom, who are in their shelter. Um, I didn't have time to uh, look it up, but there's a, um, a long, a very long letter from Srila Prabhupada to one, one gentleman in India who was complaining to Prabhupada about the behavior of Prabhupada's disciples. Uh, I don't remember whether, I don't know if he was giving any details, but especially in the early years uh, in India, the devotees going to India, you know, they were kind of a little wild sometimes, and, uh, and so sometimes perhaps their behavior was a bit shocking to the Indians. So someone wrote a letter to Prabhupada saying, you're your disciples, you have to straighten them out. <laughs> and Prabhupada wrote a very long letter expressing appreciation that he had, uh, had uh, pointed out these faults. And extensively, Prabhupada defends his disciples. Uh, extensively, he says, they may be at fault, but they're on the right path. They're doing the right, you know, they're doing the right thing because they are following uh, the system of, uh, of bhakti. And so, you know, it was basically saying, give them time. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're learning. Um, I, I, I sometimes think of this, uh, I've, some of you may have seen in, in Vrindavan, uh, these Ras Lila performances by children. How many have seen them? It, it, they're very, very charming. Uh, they're performed all by small, uh, young boys. 
even they'll be dressed up as gopis uh, and they'll be dancing as gopis. It's all boys, um, 100% boys doing uh, all of the performance. And sometimes, the, the not sometimes, usually, there'll be older boys and there'll be middle, middle boys and younger. The oldest ones maybe are 16 years old and then you get a whole range and, you know, it sort of goes like this. And then you have the little five and six-year-old boys. And when the dancing is happening on the stage, they have these very charming dances. Uh, the youngest boys are doing their best. And a lot of the time they have no clue. They don't know what they're doing, um, but they're trying, kind of trying to follow. Sometimes everyone's spinning this way and they will be, spin that way, you know. They're confused, um, but it's okay. It's okay. Nobody feels like, you know, why are you putting these small boys on the stage? No, that's okay. They're learning. They're learning. Uh, the particular um, uh, foolish servant, uh, the mamaka mudha, my fool, <laughs> literally, uh, who is a, a jhana who doesn't know what he's doing, is not named. And maybe that's good that he's not named. Um, that would be a further embarrassment. But we might want to remember another case of foolish servants uh, in the Bhagavatam um, who are similarly thinking that they are justified in bringing someone for punishment. Who might that be? Indra. The Yamadutas, yes. Indra? I'm not knowing which you're referring which case you're referring to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That that's that's there. But the more the more parallel case I think here would be the the Yamadutas, as we all know, there's uh, they feel that it is their duty to uh, take uh, Ajamila, this sinful fellow, and to bring him to Yamaraj for punishment. Similarly, similarly, uh, this uh, servant of Varuna thinks that he has to assume, presumably, he has to uh, bring none other than Nanda Maharaj <laughs> uh, to Varuna for punishment. Now, Varuna, why Varuna? We, of course, would assume because he is the lord of the waters. Um, but I would suggest there may be other reasons. And here I beg your indulgence uh, while I read from the Rig Veda. We have a translation uh, in recent years, uh, quite a scholarly translation of the Rig Veda has been done. And I came to find one of the Vedas which, sorry, one of the hymns, one of the hymns of the Rig Veda in which Varuna appears. Varuna is also 
uh, considered a lord of uh, of righteousness and the lord of order and uh, he is sometimes seen with a, a noose you know a rope for uh, yeah for punishing so this uh, don't worry if some of this doesn't make sense <laughs> uh, Rig Veda has lots of obscurities in it uh, this is uh, an unusual um, hymn, according to the translators. It's one of four hymns in a series focusing on Varuna in the seventh mandala. Uh, this is seven, uh, 786, I believe. Um, it's a discussion, or con uh, it's it's spoken especially by Vasishta, and Vasishta is asking Varuna for pardon, uh, and what exactly he's done is not clear. But let's just see how this sounds. Uh, I think it's interesting also to hear a bit of Rig Veda because we always say that we follow the Vedas. And if we are asked, okay, so what's in the Vedas, we kind of shrug our shoulders and say, I don't know. Yeah, we follow the Vedas. What's in the Vedas? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so. Huh? <clears throat> Insightful are the races of gods and mortals through the greatness of him who propped apart the two wide world halves. He pushed forth the vault of heaven to be high and lofty. Also the star that is the sun once again, and he spread out the earth. And together with my own self, I speak this. When shall I be? within Varuna. Might he take pleasure in my offering, becoming free of anger? When shall I, with good thoughts, look upon his mercy? I ask myself about this guilt, O Varuna. So now he's addressing Varuna. I ask myself about this guilt, O Varuna, wanting to see. I approach those who understand in order to inquire. Even the sage poets say the very same thing to me. Quote, Varuna now is angry with you. Unquote. Was the offense so great, Varuna? that you wish to smash a praise singer and companion. Vasishta is a, is a poet, and uh, so he says, I am a, I'm a singer of praise, you want to smash me, and um, I'm your companion. You will declare this to me, O oh, you hard to deceive, O oh, you of independent will. With reverence, I would swiftly make recompense to you to be freed of guilt. 
Release from us ancestral deceits and those that we ourselves have committed. O King, release Vasishta from his bond like a cattle-stealing thief, like a calf. This was not one's own devising, nor was it deception, O Varuna, but rather liquor, frenzy, dice, thoughtlessness. So he's trying to say, you know, I did something wrong, but I wasn't intentionally deceptive. It wasn't ill motivation. I was just, I drank too much. <laughs> I drank too much and I was, and I was gambling and I got into a frenzy and I wasn't thinking. So I'm sorry. <laughs> mm. The elder exists within the misdeed of the younger. Not even sleep wards off untruth. Like a servant, I will give satisfaction to the generous master. Freed from offense, I will give satisfaction to the ardent one. The civilizing God, that is Varuna, made those without understanding to understand. The better sage poet, that is Vasishta, speeds his clever patron, Varuna, to riches. This praise song is for you, Varuna, you who are of independent will. Let it be set within your heart. Let there be good fortune in peaceful settlement for us, and let there be good fortune in war for us. Do you protect us always with your blessings? So now, when somebody asks you, what's there in the Rig Veda? You can, you can say, oh yes, we have, for example, this prayer, this, uh, this hymn. Mm, uh, so you see, that's a very interesting tone. Now the Bhagavatam, which is the understood, Nigama Kalpatara Galitam Palam Shukumukat Amrita Drava Samyutam uh, this, um, mm, this is the fruit, the ripened fruit of the Vedic literature, Galitampalam. Uh, and in this ripened fruit of Vedic literature, what do we see? Uh, we see the real position, so to say, Havarana. He's put in the humble position. Oh, oh, I've made a mistake. Uh, Vasishta was praying to Varuna, please forgive me. Now Varuna is praying to Krishna, please forgive me. Uh, and uh, he's saying, Anita, I am Tavapita. Uh, this, this your father is Anita. He is, uh, he has been brought to me. And then I find it curious, uh, after saying Tavapita, then he says, Tat Bhavan. Shantum Arhati. So Tava is familiar form, your, uh, and Bhavan is formal, you. Uh, 
and both referring second to the second person, but one is familiar and one is formal, and they're both in the same verse. Um, so I don't know what to make of that, and as far as I know, the commentators don't mention it. We have, however, in the uh, in the purport here, this uh, rather detailed explanation about ekadashi and dvadashi, and um, you know, this is something that astrologers can certainly tell you something about, and which I, not being an astrologer, can tell you nothing more than what's in the purport about Hare Krishna. Um, but what's perhaps interesting is that Nanda Maharaj is making a judgment of how to act. This, by the way, might also remind us uh, of uh, King Ambarish. He was in a bit of a quandary, had to do with his fasting um, for Ekadashi and wanting to break the Ekadashi and how to break the Ekadashi uh, at the right time, especially when you have a guest who's just showed up and he just happens to be Durvasa Muni. And we all know Durvasa Muni has uh, what we call a short fuse. <coughs> you know this expression? A short fuse? You know this expression? Yeah. Yeah, short fuse. Like if you have a, you have a stick of dynamite and the fuse you know, you light the fuse. If it's a long fuse, you can light it and, you know, you can have your lunch, your prasadam, and, and then you can leave. Uh, but if it's a short fuse, you light it, you have to run fast. In other words, he's uh, quite impatient. Uh, yeah, and Ambarish Maharaj had this dilemma. Uh, he can't eat before his guest eats, but he has to eat before the time is up. And, and, but then again, if he does that, that's gonna, that'll be good for his vow, but it's not gonna be good for his um, being, uh, being a, a host of, 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 a, of a superior of a guest what to do, so he takes the advice of the Brahmins and they say, you can drink water. Water is both fasting and not fasting. This is also Vedic, Vedic culture. You can do something and not do something at the same time, simultaneously, in this case, drinking water. So something like that is what, uh, what Nanda Maharaj is doing here. Not exactly the same, but he understands, okay, it's generally not auspicious, but at this time, uh, in this context, it's what I, it's, it's the best thing to do. And so he, he takes, as they say in India, he takes his sacred dip in the Yamuna and he's immediately swept away. And as we'll see in, later in this chapter, um, coming before uh, Varuna uh, attracts Lord Krishna. Krishna is all attractive, but he becomes, so to say, attracted uh, by the situation. 
to appear before before Varuna. And so this is also very much one of so many uh, accounts in the Bhagavatam, uh, what we might want to call a darshan story, a story about how the Lord appears before someone and how there is a transformation that takes place. In this case, there will be, in effect, two transformations, one of Varuna and one of uh, the, the cowherd men of Vrindavan, as they come to appreciate just who Lord Krishna is. There is um, an interesting, I noted, I've noticed two, we might want to call them narrative symmetries, uh, that might be of interest to you. Uh, one in this chapter is that we have two cases of entering into water. And going into water is very commonly a situation where some sort of transformation takes place. And this is true in not just our Vedic literature, but um, worldwide in mythologies of the world, uh, going into water, coming out a changed being is very common, uh, or some kind of transformation. So there's a few accounts in the Bhagavatam of entering into water and something happening there. And that's the case here uh, in this chapter. There's another symmetry that I kind of noticed um, some weeks ago. I was going through the mm, the next five chapters, and the next five chapters are most celebrated. Uh, these are uh, called the Rasa Panchadhyaya, sometimes Rasa Lila Panchadhyaya, uh, the five chapters of the Rasa Lila. Uh, and I wondered, so... What is it that happens just prior to the Rasa Panchanyaya? And what happens after uh, the Rasa Panchanyaya? And guess what? It turns out that just before the Rasa Panchanyaya, Krishna rescues Nanda Maharaj. And just after the Rasa Panchanyaya, Krishna rescues Nanda Maharaj from another situation. Another, he's getting swallowed up by a, a snake in chapter 34. <laughs> so, so Krishna is rescuing his father, which uh, may want to lead us to want to reflect on another subject, which is children rescuing their parents. And we have this theme very, I would say, very deeply present in, uh, in the tradition. Um, we have it also enshrined in ritual, uh, the idea that in particular the son, uh, but broadly the, the children, in a sense, rescue their parents from hell. They're called putraka. Uh, they uh, rescue the parents uh, from, from who, <laughs> from the place of hell, and how? How do they do that uh, by performing 
uh, the Shraddha ceremony by remembering the parents and uh, offering proper honors and so on. And also by their behavior, um, they establish themselves as the sons and daughters of their parents. Um, they honor them by their, by their honorable behavior, uh, and thus they are honored in the world, and thus their parents are honored. Uh, so that's, that's another, that's a way in which society keeps continuity, if you like. So, um, let's see, was there another uh, specific point to be made here? No, simply again, um, of course, uh, Lord Krishna is merciful, and he is going to be appealed, or he is being appealed to here by Varuna, for that reason, and that's mentioned also by one of the commentators. Um, I'd have to look again. Maybe it's Jiva Goswami who's, who says um, that, in effect, Varuna is addressing Krishna and saying, you are the ocean of mercy, or you are an ocean of mercy, and I am an ocean of fault. <laughs> uh, the ocean of mercy is able to save the ocean of fault, so you kindly do so. And this is what he does. And so, uh, this is the business of the uh, followers of Lord Krishna, that they, following in the, as children of Krishna, as he is merciful, so the devotees are merciful. And that is the principle of our Krishna consciousness movement, such that we see Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur praying, Kave Jive Doya Hoibe Udoy, Nija Sukha Buli Sudina Ridoy, Bhakati Vinod, Korya Vinoy, Sri Agya Tahal, Korya uh, Prochar, Korya Prochar. He says, Kabe, when, Jive Doya, Korya, when will I uh, be meek and, um, and be and feel mercy for conditioned souls? Jiva Doya. And the context of this feeling, he says, Nija Sukha Bulia, forgetting my own happiness. So not that I'm first going to get what I'm uh, thinking is going to make me happy, and then I'll be merciful to others. He says, no, I'm going to just forget about my happiness and be merciful to others. Kave, when? <laughs> so he's not saying, that's how I am. He's saying, when am I going to be like that? Kave jive doya koriya vinoy nija sukkabuli sudina ridoy Feeling very... Sometimes the word dina can mean wretched. Feeling very small uh, in the heart. Bhakati vinod koriya vinoy Being 
being vinaya being uh, being meek and humble shri agya taha agnya means order when am i going to take the order of uh, the the beautiful order the order of shri chaitanya mahaprabhu when am i going to appreciate the beauty and power and glory of that order shri agya taha koriya prachar and preach that's that's my question of longing says bhaktivinoda thakur so um we may see some uh some some element of that uh feeling also in varuna as he is also feeling humbled and also honored as we'll as we'll see in um in further verses he feels so so honored uh, that uh krishna has come it's very difficult to have the darshan of krishna and in this case varuna didn't have to do anything except have a foolish servant just by having a, his qualification was to have a servant who is foolish <laughs> uh so we may want to say this is also the uh the wonder of vrindavan all of this is happening where it's happening in shri vrindavan dam and so uh we we see uh the the glories of shri vrindavan dam um uh being praised uh in the vrindavan mahimamrita by um uh, uh saraswati to the extent he's saying i i wouldn't leave vrindavan for anything only a madman would leave vrindavan and so on this this praise of vrindavan we may say is also indirectly suggested here uh, varuna who's usually associated with the ocean seems that he has come upstream <laughs> he's now present in the yamuna <laughs> and and here in the yamuna he is getting the blessings of lord krishna uh not by any qualification we may say of varuna of uh, yeah any qualification of his own but simply by a fluke of circumstance that his servant is doing something he shouldn't do so we may also reflect on that um we often become a little uh preoccupied with what is right what is wrong uh doing it just we want to make sure we don't make mistakes some devotees are very concerned uh to eat some grains during the ekadashi parana the period of time that's mentioned for the in the dvadashi when one breaks the fast they become very concerned about that even though they haven't actually been doing the full ekadashi fast it seems that um nandamaraj and that's interesting also why would nandamaraj feel that he has to fast on ekadashi after all he's krishna's father uh, but he is feeling you know he wants to be a good uh perhaps he wants to be a good example for his son uh he's he's very re- he's a religious person 
He's fasting completely and therefore he's concerned about breaking that fast. Um, if you're fasting completely, um, Anikadashi, then it may be of concern when is the uh, Ekadashi Parana. Otherwise, um, again, I'm not an astrologer, but my understanding is not really critical. Hare Krishna, Grantara, Srimad Bhagavatam, Kijai. So I've just thrown out a few odds and ends of reflections on the verse related. But if you have any further reflections, comments, or questions? Yes, Shamasunda, Shamananda. I was thinking, Maharaj, uh, please forgive me, Elvis. I thought I want to take one, one step further. You said Shishta approached Varuna, please forgive me. Varuna mm. is here approaching Krishna. Yeah, Krishna, you know, also has his has his please forgive me approaches on a number of times. Uh-huh. And I was thinking even again with more symmetry to this when in the Jai and Vijay pastime, when Krishna comes out, he 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 scores the four Kamaras, please forgive they're my servants, but I'm actually responsible, so please forgive uh-huh. me. Don't forgive them, forgive me because they're my yes. I'm I'm responsible for their behavior. Oh yes, thank you. Very good. So, and then of course with the gopis as well, he also, please forgive me too. He's my, always in trouble with, with the gopis. <laughs> yes. Ruff, I uh, thank you very much for your nice lecture. You put a lot of questions in my mind. <laughs> I have one doubt and also one disagreement in my mind about who was more offensive, Indra or Brahma. Mm. And I cannot agree with that, but maybe you can call my doubt, because there's a story about Solomon and these two ladies who had two children. You know probably the story? Biblical story. Yeah. Huh. And one child was born dead, and the mother who had the dead child, she... Swept it or, or swapped it? Switched, yeah. Yeah, and she took the living child and put the dead child <laughs> by the other mother. Oh. So this mother was very suffering because she knew what was done. So they went both to King Solomon. Oh, yeah, I know this story. Yeah. He says, why don't you... So, we have, so then, <laughs> if you don't agree, I will cut the child. <laughs> yeah, so then, then you're both half. <laughs> so, but then the, the real mother said... Uh, because uh, she she uh, she chose the living uh, yeah, she, so above the separation, and then Solomon know. understands she's the real she's mother. the real mother. Right. So in that sense, I in my mind is like King Indra. He wants to kill all the residents of Vrindavan, ah. and Brahma he separated them. Yeah. So I think every person like say okay, if I have to choose me. Uh, or my child or separation. All I can say is you can bring your protest to Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. (laughs) 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 You see, because I hear the story a few times and my mind says I cannot understand how uh, Indra, who was a killer at that moment, Mm. can be uh, less offensive than Brahma who just separates him as a test. Okay, but 
I will not uh, argue with fish not converted that. <laughs> but I want to understand, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a good point you're making that, uh, and it's an interesting comparison you make as well, which I wouldn't have thought of. That, uh, uh, I, yeah, I can only say, let's ask Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. He's a very clever, you know, commentator, Acharya, and he probably has a good answer, but I wouldn't know what it is myself. <laughs> so we can pray for that. Yeah. Thank you. Anything? Okay. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Thank you very much for your class. And usually, if I can just, I don't like to give a comment, but I can repeat what I heard on this topic which we are having, whose offense is bigger, Brahmas or Indras. Because mm -hmm. exactly that point, Punatato Prabhu is, for many of us, you know, how we can take it that uh, Brahma's offense is bigger, because Indra wanted to kill. And uh, I asked uh, Burijan Prabhu, from who I heard the lecture, he said, I cannot quote. He couldn't quote on Shura Vishwana Chakravati Thakur mm -hmm. about that point, but he said that's the common standard in Vrindavan. Everyone sees that Brahma's offense is bigger. Then I asked Chaitanya Charam Prabhu, rather than Maharaj disciple, the one who knows everything, and <laughs> he has so many perspectives, and he said it's very difficult to apply and understand commentaries of Shura Vishwana Chakravati Thakur on a broader universal scale. Shila Balada Vidya Bhushana, he said, is an amazing one, but Shila Vishwanath is always difficult, and you cannot convince others about Krishna Tattva or dealings amongst Rajvasis without being a devotee. So that's the distinction I liked, and I think I profited personally from that. Mm -hmm. And okay. sorry for my comment, usually I don't like it. The plot thickens. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yes, Maharaj. Maharaj, in one of the previous verses was mentioned that the, serv uh, the servant was referred as uh, demon-like. Mm. So if you could maybe explain why that word is actually used. Demon-like uh, in the sense he's not recognizing... First, he's not recognizing who is Nanda Maharaj. He is none other than... Uh, the father or foster father or real father uh, of Krishna in Krishna Lila. And to not recognize uh, and acknowledge this, one might want to say he's acting like, you know, there are so many demons that comes a sense uh, to try to kill Krishna. Uh, and this could be seen as a similar case. He's, he's causing trouble to one of the residents, actually to all the residents, because they're disturbed when, when Nanda Maharaj disappears. Everyone is disturbed. Um, where is our Nanda Maharaj? And so he's a troublemaker. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. I mean, demon, okay, there's different 
levels, we might want to say, of demons. This one is, I think, the emphasis is on his ignorance. He is just foolish, mudha. Yeah. So he's not a demon, he's demon-like. <laughs> okay, so, yes. Oops. Oh, there's a question online. Oh. Back to the virtual world. Krishna Maharaj, thank you for your enlightening class. Question about helping others. Sometimes I hear the analogy of the butterfly struggling out of the cocoon and not helping it. Otherwise, there is no strength. How would you see this analogy in how devotees try to help others? The butterfly in the cocoon yeah. and helping... To, uh, I'm not sure I understand the analogy. Yeah, there is a, there's a story of one devotee who was trying to help a cocoon to come out of the... Um, of the trying to have the butterfly come out of the cocoon. Uh And then first there was one that he saw, he just looked, he watched it, and then the butterfly came and he flew away. And then there's another uh, cocoon which was also struggling to come out, and then he decided to help it. Uh And then the the butterfly was just lying there without ability to fly. So then he said it's because he didn't struggle. So he came to the conclusion that actually his help was not really helping him to become strong. So then the question is how it is in relation to helping devotees, mm. if this is better to help them uh, uh, or to help them to help themselves in this kind of... Uh, it's good to help devotees to help themselves, definitely. It's good to help everyone to help themselves. <laughs> I guess that's a general principle. Um, uh, if we are helping someone in such a way that they become, uh, you know, depending on our help permanently or something like that, that could be a problem. Uh, yeah, like parent, you know, I think it's another analogy is parents raising children. Uh, parents raising children are helping the children to help themselves, isn't it? So similarly, uh, and that means it takes some skill to know uh, when to, when and how to help someone, and when to sort of hold back and uh, and you know have them uh, do it themselves. Sometimes, sometimes the parent helps the child uh, learn to ride a bicycle. Um, by sort of accompanying and holding the bicycle. And at some time, uh, the parent has a sense, okay, now now he's ready, and he gives him a push, and the child is riding on his own, and then he falls over, but that's okay, because he got the idea that it's possible to ride on your own, so he can, he can do it. That's... Yes, I think we'll... I'm just wondering very much um, about Varuna. Uh, did, was he pacified after these prayers of Vashishta? Because after all, 
that kind of was an arrangement for him to get the darshan of Krishna. <laughs> so I was wondering if um, that pacified him all along. Um, I'd have to look at the next verse, the next hymns in the Rig Veda, although typically uh, the uh, hymns of the Rig Veda are kind of stand alone. Uh, they don't have a sort of continuity to them. And there are a lot of references in the Rig Veda to, to something that's happened and there's very little, if any, detail given. So the story of Indra killing Vritra is mentioned several times in the Rig Veda, but you get hardly any detail. And so we get the detail in the Bhagavatam. So I don't know if I can give an answer for that, what happens to the yeah. So um, we can end there, but I want to mention <coughs> my uh, suggestion that I've been making for devotees uh, in temples that uh, it's very good if uh, devotees, not just the devotee who will be giving the lecture, the class, the Bhagavatam class, but that everyone sometime between, uh, for example, now and tomorrow's class, that you read the verse or verses and purport or purports uh, in advance. You spend the two minutes or the three minutes or the five minutes to read in advance those verses. And I call this priming the pump. If you have a pump that has a water pump, hand pump that hasn't been used for a while, you need to pour water into it and then it'll work. Similarly, uh, we can all um, have our, our minds sort of put in place in advance and that can help to enrich uh, the, the Bhagavatam class. So I've been, I've been suggesting to devotees in different temples, make a seven-day experiment and see if this works. That you, you read the verse and the purport, or verses and purport. Um, it's nice to do just before the class, then you're freshly thinking, and then some question or issue may come to your mind. Uh, like that, and then you can be fully awake during the class. Okay, thank you all very much. Shiva Prabhupada ki jai, Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Gaur Prabhupada.